0: Hello and welcome to the Delphian podcast. Delphian is an artist-led nomadic gallery focusing on emerging and early career artists. Each episode will feature a different art world practitioner from artists and gallerists to collectors and curators. If you like today's episode, please like, share and subscribe. Hello and welcome to the Delphian podcast. My name is Benjamin Murphy and joining me is Nick Jers-Thompson. Hello. And one of our favourite artists, Andrew Salgado. Hi, guys. Thanks for having us. We're sat in your studio right now.
1: Thanks for asking me to do this.
0: No problem. So, to kick things off, has anyone ever told you that you remind them of Ryan Reynolds?
1: (laughs) 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 That's put up in j Moir, so I'll take it.
0: (laughs) So, in terms of, so say like contemporary art at the moment, painting has, seems to have had like a real resurgence in popularity. Um, And so I'm noticing like there's a lot of kind of pseudo-digital, I think things painted as if they're painted digitally but they're not and there's a lot of like super flat kind of brightly coloured semi-figuration. I was just wondering what you think about Um,
1: them. Well I think, okay just commenting on what you what you first brought up i think like we've been talking about this like oh the death of painting for like 200 years which i think is completely a moot argument at this point i think even even like bringing it up it's it's just such a like art school like rhetoric that but it's not even it's not even completely irrelevant i think what's being contested now is photography but that's a completely different path of conversation but i do see a lot of what you're saying like this um sort of post-digital stuff going back to being, using analog means to do sort of like digital trickery. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, I think my art, well, like I think you see a lot of people using like digital stuff to, to lay the groundwork for what then goes into a painting. But for me, I think the whole joy of painting is like, like my process personally is more like get into the studio and play around with it and see where it goes. As opposed to the, I suppose the uh, the opposition to that is like, Create some sort of digital maquette and then execute. Um, yeah, I mean, I like. If you're asking me if I like it, I mean, it's, it's sort of a it's sort of a big world at, at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: I think of Josh Reams right off the bat, or I think of like the who's the girl like what's her name? She shows with the whole, and it's like literally looks like digital, like like MS DOS, like paintbrush. Oh, right,
0: okay. I mean, there's a, there's quite a few people. Yeah, doing there's a that lot of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Philip Gerald and yeah. Yeah, there's,
1: Phil, yeah, there's Philip Gerardo. There's somebody who's doing something I think really cool right now is Dominic Despirito because he's doing, like, I don't know, he's doing, like, like 3D, 3D printing paintings. I oh, don't right, know. Wow. Yeah, I just like stuff that, that is maybe, pl- like, playing tricks with the viewer as opposed to being one-dimensional in its execution, if that makes any yeah. sense. Because there's digital, I'm, and I'm certainly not a purist. I'm certainly not against digital techniques. Like, I use any sort of digital shortcuts that I can to make, to, well, to facilitate my work or make my work better. Um, but I've sort of gone the opposite way with my work where I'm going like more cruddy and like I'm going really analog as opposed mm. to going really digital, which a lot of people are.
0: Yeah. Do you think that the resurgence in popularity for painting is a response to like the super conceptual kind of era of the YBAs and and after that? And then... I don't know, I mean
1: everything is like a reaction and response to what's been done before and you know, I don't know what's being taught in school schools right now. Um, all I know is, like, I see, I think Instagram has done a huge thing. Like, photo is, like, photo is just in a really weird situ- situation right now. So I think people are going back to being a bit crafty. Like, we're seeing a lot of ceramics and stuff. We're seeing a lot of textile work. Um, we're seeing a lot more of a reference. Well, I mean, just in the same breath that we're saying we're seeing a lot of stuff being digital. We're seeing a lot more of, like, this handmade, this sort of artisanal, or this this kind of like naivety or like primitivist work or whatever. Yeah. Um, a lot of marks being really obvious marks and, and really cruddy paint textures. Like we're looking at some of my drawings on the floor right now and like a lot of them still have bits of like pastel like stuck to the drawing. Mm. And I like that, I like drawing attention to the fact that art is, is, is an, it's artificial, it's something that's made and constructed and I personally like drawing attention to that and I think I respond to a lot of art that does that.
0: Going back to what you said about Instagram, do you think that social media and the and the way that it's become so easy for people just to make something, stick it online, and get a lot, get a big response from it? Do you think what's what typically works well on visual mediums such as Instagram that the popularity there drives what's what's then seen as um, good in the art world itself?
1: I just think it's. Um it's completely revolutionized how we receive art. So I don't think it's like a matter of like highbrow, lowbrow. It's just, this is where art is gone and this is how we're receiving art. So we have to take this and, and use it to our advantage. And a smart artist will like use that as another tool to <clears throat> propagate his or her paintings. And, and you know, there's cert- there's certain feeds that I think are really good and really worth following. And there's other feeds that are just, well, just a bunch of crap. But I mean, but I mean, like, you have these people, like these social influencers, and art is no different. And so I use Instagram. I mean, I think it's a tool, so it's not worth sitting here and being like, "Oh, is it good or is it bad?" It's mm. just like it. It is. So, how? Who's using it well?
0: I suppose what I mean though is, do you think what's popular on Instagram then becomes what's popular in the art world in general?
1: What well, sort of like it's sort of like a self-fulfilling beast, isn't it? Yeah. It's like the Ouroboros, the, the, the snake that eats its own tail, because it's like. What's popular is not on Instagram or what's on Instagram is there than popular. Um, it's just it's just propelling art and it's becoming it's making art a lot more visible and a lot more accessible. It doesn't necessarily mean that these are like good things. But I mean again then it comes into like this highbrow, lowbrow thing. Like what is you know, you've got a lot of artists looking at some guy who's got like a million followers, but the artists think his art sucks. But is I mean, who's to say what's good and what's bad anyway? You know, and everybody's going to have a difference of opinion. And it's just, it's actually quite funny because a lot of times people are like, oh, I I need, I find myself being like, oh, I, why don't I have as many followers as this person? Which is actually kind of ridiculous because some of like the greatest artists critically have like 700 followers. And then Joe Blow, who we've never heard of, has like (laughs) 800,000. So I don't know. You get into this tricky territory of like value critical success, commercial success, popularity. Um, yeah, I was talking to one of my, I mean, I've never been a critic Starling, but I've but I've never struggled with, oh God, that sounds terrible, but I've never struggled with sales. Mm. So, I don't know. I think just to, like do art with integrity, make art with integrity and like, okay, if you can use Instagram and make some sales, good for you because not everybody is gonna have a solo booth at Freeze, mm. right? Um, and it's about dissemination as well. I mean, I I've, I've, I've found some really great art on Instagram. I found Adam Lee on Instagram and like ran over to Kurt Beers and was like, show this guy, show this guy. Yeah. Um, I've been chatting with another kid, Gord Bond, is like this young Canadian guy, and I found him on Instagram. And it's like, so That's I think how we a... found
0: Florence. Hmm? That's how we found Florence. Yeah. yeah. Florence Hutchins.
1: And there's a tendency to be like, oh, Instagram is so bad. But it's like, well, is it? Like, do we necessarily have to go through the channels of, like, the gallery system? It's, it's maybe in a way it's given art, the power of art back to the artists so that you can be, like, 17 making really good art and you don't have to, like, go whack off some, you know, such and such curator <laughs> from... It's true. It's like, who is to say is that, that? Is that how you... I know? was, like, going to drop a name and I, like, <laughs> literally bit my tongue. But, like, you know, I've always... Is That's how it, I, I did it. Well, and some people might look at me and be like, oh, he's one to talk, but I've always done it myself. I've always been grassroots. Like, Kurt Beers and I started doing pop-up shows together in Canada like a decade ago. So I've never had, like, these galleries running, breathing down my back saying, oh, you're wonderful, you're wonderful. But I've managed to, to do okay on my career-wise because of, like, grit my teeth, you know, spit and vinegar and just fucking get out there and do it.
0: So um, running on from that, like, you said that you and Kurt Beers were doing pop-ups like 10 years ago, how much rain do you give the gallerist
1: in the sort of relationship with, um, with the work you produce, almost, it's presented? Or? Almost none. Um, I think as soon as any artist gets to a point where they're feeling like, okay, like you're getting a couple of shows. I mean, when I was first doing shows, it was like, okay, talk to the gallerist and get a game plan and what do you mm-hmm. want? But now I would say that I am, I'm at a stage in my career and I think this is important for a lot of artists. Like, okay... If you are going to do a show, and you should be not giving any less than a hundred percent of your ability to that show, like we know what our what our hurdles are, and we know what our abilities are, and, and I think you owe it to yourself to do one hundred percent your best work. But I don't. But I also think that you don't need to be like pandering to a gallerist to say, oh, like. Well, for instance, my coming, my show with Jamie Angel coming up, he was like, he wanted like one meter by one meter and I was like, here's five, two meter paintings, <laughs> deal with it because this is what I want to show. And yeah. I think the gallerist has to respect that yeah. there. I mean, there has to be a bit of give and take. So then I responded by gave, giving him like eight or nine small pieces. But I think like, uh, yeah, without being like arrogant about it, I think the artist, you, you know, you have a vision yeah. and you want to execute it and that's really important. So, yeah, I just sort of hold up, and that's why I like don't open up the studio and have visitors and stuff because I need to sort it out in my head, and it takes six months and get get it out, get it ready, prepare it because you don't need every advice from every Tom Dick and Harry telling you what to do and how to do it, because I think you know, and I think if you if you start taking shortcuts, you I mean I always say you've, can, you the your artists, your peers are the first ones to figure it out, and the collectors will soon follow.
0: How do you draw the balance between? experimentation and consistency because if you stay too consistent and keep doing churning out the same shit
1: people get bored bored. but if you
0: are too wild and too experimental people
1: also just um ask me in two weeks after my show opens (laughs) because it's very different i don't know i just try to i get bored easily so there's sort of two camps to a thought on on the idea like do you do you hone your skill and polish your egg and like keep doing what you do and do it well and like make it better and better and better or do you kind of like jump ship I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to do both at the same time. Like, keep a very clear um, language of representation, or visit, or like, or, or like visual language, but like play around with that. I like to keep myself on my toes, and so I like to keep my visitors, my visitors, my viewers on their toes as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, for every argument, there's a counter argument, right?
0: So why, why, why talk about anything, right? Well,
1: but I'm just. I guess maybe I'm just interested in. I, but I think it's funny because when you ask artists like things that you, you get yourself into traps by saying something because then somebody mm. would say, "Well, you said this." Like yeah. in well, interviews for years, yeah. I was like, "If you're not making political art, just quit." And now I'm like, "Well, I don't really believe that anymore." Um, yeah, I, I like artists that experiment. I like artists that keep me on my toes. Like I like artists that have a consistent level of execution, but like are constantly doing new things. And that's tricky. That's not easy to do.
0: So, in terms of politics and art, do you think artists have a responsibility to be political?
1: I did. I did because, like, my whole career started based on the fact that, like, okay, I was beaten, shit kicked in a hate crime, and lost my teeth, and was like suddenly became like I have, like, I have this LGBT s- standpoint. But I, but that was ten years ago, and like I've calmed down, I've grown up and calmed down and I'm not angsty and I'm like so well adjusted that it's fucking boring. So I just wanna like paint pretty things right now. And I, and I have to allow myself to be okay with that. And like, so the show that I'm going into for at Jamie Angel, Angel Gallery, I'm like, I don't have heavy hitting commentary to make and I have to be okay with that.
0: Yeah, for sure, the worst, there's nothing worse than people saying, oh, this means this. Yeah. And you look at it and mm-hmm. you think, does it, or are you just trying to
1: and like you can chew co- on something? Yeah. Well, and the show's called Blue Rainbow, so there is like a subtle nod to it. But I'm not yeah. even—I don't know if I'm using the rainbow as like an LGBT rainbow. It's called Blue mm. Rainbow because there's a lot of blues in it, but there's think, also a bunch of boys being painted again. So yeah, maybe I'm being a bit tongue in cheek. Like I think the
0: best—the best artwork that does have like a political underscoring are the ones that aren't don't do it in a didactic way. They do it in a, and this is the case with. Um, so the show that you did where you donated like um, a chunk of the profits to the Orlando charity and and the LGB charity in London, diversity role models, and yeah. like, they weren't didactic in that. It wasn't like, the paintings well, didn't say homophobia is bad. It was like... And
1: at the time, that was really important to me. Yeah. And so these are still important issues to me because I'm a gay man and like we have issues that we constantly need to tackle. But that doesn't mean every show I do has to... Has to be taking up oh, that but gauntlet. that's what I
0: mean. So they didn't. They didn't say it wasn't a painting that was branded with homophobia is bad. It was something that you you left for the viewer to almost discover themselves. Yeah. It wasn't a.
1: I've really like I've I've stopped talking about my art because I've realized that talking to a lot of artists and there's nothing worse than an artist who like whips out their iPad and is like, well, let me sit you down and talk to you mm. while we're at this restaurant for 25 minutes about my like whole conceptual groundwork. And you're like, I don't fucking care, basically. Like, I've realized to stop doing that, and I want to just, like, put art out there. And if somebody comes up to me and has this completely bunk reading that has nothing to do with the art, if that's what you get from it, that is completely relevant. Like, what I put into the work doesn't mean that that's what you have to take from it. And there was this Matisse quote that I kept going back to for the new show that's like, I just want to make art that is, like, gentle like a sea breeze and for, like, the ironworker as it is for the poet and, like, be... As an armchair at the end of a long day and I was like yeah that's just I just that's what that's what I want I don't know I'm just oh my god am I gonna be so cliche as to be like I'm, ha- I'm in a happy place <laughs> but yeah
0: there's there's this great quote and I can't remember who it's by and I can't remember exactly how it goes but it essentially says like an artwork has as many meanings as it has viewers yeah and I kind of take the view that me as an artist, my opinion of what one of my own works means is as valid and as um, correct as anyone else. As is. anyone else's.
1: Well, have you ever spoken to an artist and they're telling you what the art's about, and you're like, "No, your art is <laughs> not about this." Like, how are you? How did you make this art and not see what this art is all about? But I think that's just interesting because everybody comes with a different knowledge base, you know. And you can look at someone's art and you bring in your knowledge. Base. I remember when I first moved here and everybody in my course was like oh we're going to see John Stecker and I'm like who's John Stecker and they're like mouths dropped well cuz i was born and raised in canada and nobody in canada knows who john stecker is but i come with a whole host of canadian artists that nobody here knew so yeah you can never be critical of somebody for not having the same knowledge And a lot of people didn't go to art school so like who gives a shit just cuz i can spout theory doesn't make my art any better than the next person's
0: i think it, often it's the ones that do spout the theory are the ones that make the completely vapid work that doesn't mean anything. That's when my eyes,
1: start, my eyes start crossing and I just shake my head and look for an exit.
0: <laughs> what I've noticed is, because we talk a lot on like Instagram and on Facebook stuff.
1: I notice that Andy Dixon doesn't put in his fair share. In, no, in John, John, so we've
0: got this big group chat. Like, There's like five of us and we just chat nonsense most of the time. But um, I've noticed we tend to talk about work that we dislike a lot more than we talk about work that we like. I don't know why that is.
1: No, I I was reading something. There's some, like, really profound way of putting it, but it's, like, for every hundred nice things somebody says to you, you're derailed by one comment. Like,
0: Mm.
1: and I don't know why we let ourselves, like, focus on negative things, but I think you learn from your mistakes. You learn from... I always think, like, you learn way more from paintings that didn't work than paintings that do. Mm. Because when you come in and... When the painting just works and you're like, oh, my God, and it feels... It's a great feeling, but I used to get so beaten up when painting was like a failed painting mm. and now for my like Toronto show there's five giant two meter pieces that bear the backs to the wall that are going to get box cutters put through them and I'm not one bit concerned about that because you have to stumble through that to get to the, the winning recipe mm. and you learn every time you, you, you fuck something up so like it's, it's really refreshing to like that painting that you have been staring at that you hate but you think you can fix it don't fix it throw it out you'll feel so much better
0: well, I'm doing a rare commission at the moment, and I don't do many because I hate them so much. But this one's for a charity, so I had to. I've redrawn the face five times. I just like so for people who think that it's all fun and games being an
1: really isn't some of the time. No, I've got patches in my hair, I'm pulling my hair out. God, I drink like an asshole. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. Yes, I am. No. I'm not. No, I think there's real, there's real sincere struggles in, in what we do. But it's like ugh, it's like pain and glory. It's a good, it's a, it's a be- I don't know, it's a beautiful thing. And we're so lucky, which is why I don't understand why people can be so terrible in the industry because we're so fortunate to get to do what we do. Like I come into my studio every day and I play my, like, Tori Amos all, eight hours a day, all day long, and like draw pictures for a living. This is amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing pretty good job yeah yeah so you mentioned earlier
0: that you don't allow people into your studio um, because you want to limit
1: well there was a, there were a few reasons to that like at one at one point anybody was welcome in and then it was just like okay people are wasting my time and I'm I'm busy and then I remember there was one point where somebody came in and he was just he really creeped me out and I thought actually this is a bit unsafe too <laughs> um, <laughs> was that me was that me that was you there was one time that i was supposed to be (laughs) coming around to
0: drop something off and you were like oh leave it at
1: the reception um but like things are in things are in the process of like forgive the expression but painting is kind of a masturbatory act it's like a it's a for me it's a private thing and i don't need people coming around and like poking their heads in when something is three quarters done it's the same reason that like I don't post post process shots because you don't want this three quarters done painting circulating on, like, on the internet when that's and you're going fuck that's not the finished work. But people come in and drop sort of offhanded comments willy nilly, and that could really derail your train of thought. Like, I am a firm believer that, like, myself and the trusted few that I get critique from, I will at the end of the time come up with the best product that I can. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to have like a few people that you talk to to bounce ideas off and get critique but that's not easy like it's not you know not all of us have these like scores of people that want to just come over and like talk critique and and, and, you know sometimes I think it's a matter of of finding a few trusted people and doing that I also think this is kind of related but kind of unrelated but I also think that art is all about like it's about Um, translating what we visually digest and so I kind of have a like a hang-up with why like musicians have no issues talking about this writers have no issues talking about this but you ask an artist who they're looking at and it's like oh I don't I I don't look at anybody my my creativity is pure and it's like bullshit I have like ten tabs open on my computer and I have five books open and I'm constantly looking through Instagram and it's not about taking that and copying it but it's about okay there's a tendency to, to, to go back to the same rote, mechanical way of mark-making. Yeah. So you need to look, and you need to like keep your eyes porous to, to, to find new ways to create and translate that into your own perspective and vernacular, obviously. But, like, sure, look. And be open about who you look at.
0: I think the, pe- the people who... Who are afraid of maybe announcing their inspirations are the ones that are maybe afraid that they're not making something true. that it's just a bit too derivative. Yeah, that yeah. it is
1: a, a, a dead knockoff. Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, you know, I, I, I sort of believe in in like sharing the love and like I try to be a nice guy artist, not because I try to be a nice guy artist, but because I think I'm a nice person, and I think that like the bigger fraternity of artists that we can build, the better. I don't know. Artists are such assholes. They They're are. For sure, you, you are. I'm sorry. You're all such assholes. Put a smile on your face. Life's not so hard. <laughs> God. Or maybe it is because we're artists. Maybe life is tough. I just get really beaten down. I get really disillusioned and disenchant- disenfranchised by the industry and by the people in the industry. And so when you come across nice people, nice, these so called nice guy artists, it's such a relief it's so refreshing and it doesn't mean you have to have like the similar kind of art or be in a similar ca- ca- career trajectory or like same age or anything or even the same like Jordy Kerwick you're out there I love you but like he's for sure listening but like um, man it's just so refreshing when you can strike up a conversation with somebody on Instagram and like give a compliment and receive a compliment and start a little banter and share a piece that's so important we become so like insular and and hateful towards our our fellow artists it's really ugly and then there's also like the whole like thing about like oh well, somebody's beneath me that's bullshit that's bullshit just do what you do do it well and be nice while you do it i'm hungover
0: well that's a great that's way great. to yeah that's advice. a great thing to to end on i think
1: yeah. yeah so thanks for joining us andrew and uh we'll catch up soon thank you guys goodbye it was a pleasure